0: Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. I am sick, so I'm going to try really hard to make it through this without having to stop 10,000 times. So. People opposed to China's stringent COVID restrictions have protested in cities across the country in the biggest wave of civil disobedience on the mainland since Xi Jinping assumed power a decade ago. Yeah, there is something in the air and it smells like freedom. COVID sucked. It was brutal. We are still feeling the ramifications, but one positive to come out of everything is that it shined a light brighter than any I could have ever imagined on the corruption of world governments and their not-so-subtle attempts to seize more undeserved power. Protests triggered by a deadly apartment fire in the far west of the country last week took place on Sunday in cities including Shanghai, Beijing, Chengdu, Wuhan, and Guangzhou. According to footage shared on social media, in defiance of a series of heavy handed arrests of demonstrators on Saturday night. In an unusually bold act that appeared to indicate the level of people's desperation, a crowd in Shanghai late on Saturday night called for the removal of the Communist Party and Xi during a standoff with police chanting, Communist Party, step down. Xi Jinping, step down. Chinese people usually refrained from criticizing the party and its leaders in public for fear of reprisals the protests erupted on friday in Urum, urumqi i think is how you say it the regional capital of the far west xinjiang region after footage of a fire in a residential building that killed at least 10 people the day before led to accusations that a covid lockdown was a factor in the death toll urumqi officials Abruptly held a news conference in the early hours of Saturday to deny that COVID measures had hampered escape and rescue. Many of their 4 million residents have been under some of the country's longest lockdowns, barred from leaving their homes for as long as a hundred days. Late on Sunday, a BBC journalist was seen on camera being beaten and kicked by police before being arrested in the city. Footage on social media showed Edward Lawrence being dragged to the ground in handcuffs while he was saying in another video, call the consulate now. A BBC spokesperson said the BBC is extremely concerned about the treatment of our journalist Ed Lawrence, who was arrested and handcuffed while covering the protests in Shanghai. He was held for several hours before being released. Adding that, Lawrence had been covering the protest as an accredited journalist. China has stuck with Xi's zero COVID policy, even as much of the world has lifted most of their restrictions. While low by global standards, China's case numbers have hit record highs for days, with nearly 40,000 new infections on Saturday, prompting yet more lockdowns in cities across the country. Beijing has defended the policy as Life-saving and necessary to prevent overwhelming the healthcare system. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Wonder where we've heard that before. Speaking to U.S. political talk shows on Sunday, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the outgoing director of U.S. NIAID, described China's approach to COVID as a quote very severe and rather draconian approach, a prolonged lockdown without any seeming purpose or end game to it really doesn't make public health sense. (laughs) I remember an interview that Anthony Fauci did in March of 2020, where he said, quote, elderly, stay out of society and self-isolation. Don't go to work if you don't have to. Yada, yada, yada. His quote, not mine. No bars, no restaurants, no nothing. Only essential services. When you get a place like New York or Washington or California, you've got to ratchet it up. But it is felt, and it isn't only me speaking. It's a bunch of people who make the decisions. that If you lock down everything now, you're going to crash the whole society. So you do what you can do as best you can. Do as much physical separation as you can and ratchet it up. At the places you know are at highest risk. Sounds pretty severe and draconian, especially if you're elderly. A rare brain-eating amoeba is spreading across the United States. While most infections previously occurred in the south, more recent infections have been identified further north. Climate change and warmer temperatures are increasing the amoeba's ability to survive in areas where it previously couldn't. An Agleria commonly known as a brain-eating amoeba, is a single-celled organism that usually thrives in warm, fresh water, but it's also been found in public splash pads. People become infected when the microscopic organism gets into their nose and enters their brain via the olfactory nerve, which relays information about smells from the nose to the brain. Once the amoeba reaches its destination, it starts destroying the brain tissue, causing an infection known as primary amoebic meningoencephalitis. Holy shit, or PAM. It destroys the brain tissue by releasing toxic molecules. The immune system tries to fight the infection by sending immune cells And fluid to the brain, the combination of the toxic molecules and the immune response causes swelling and death. With a fatality rate of over 97%, the infection moves quickly after contraction. The initial symptoms include headache, fever, nausea, and vomiting, followed by a stiff neck, confusion, seizures, hallucinations, and coma. Symptoms can start 1 to 12 days after exposure and death usually occurs within about five days. There's no known effective treatment, and a diagnosis almost always comes too late. Though most infections in the United States have been attributed to people swimming in warm lakes, one known outbreak in Arizona stemmed from the use of warm groundwater, with the amoeba growing in a well. The amoeba becomes more prevalent as temperatures rise in freshwater lakes and rivers. Warmer temperatures not only facilitate the survival and growth of pathogens, but also drives people into the water more, which can increase the risk of infections. Climate change-induced warming means that the amoeba can now be present in areas of the country where it didn't used to be, like the north and the west. It's also extending the amoeba's lifespan, past the summer months. I can hear it now. Donate to our climate fund or you'll get brain-eating amoebas. Okay, had to put a cough drop in. <laughs> Faraday Mordkani, the niece of Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamani, has been arrested after calling on foreign governments to cut all ties with the Iranian government. Mordkani was arrested on Wednesday when she went to the prosecutor's office in response to a court order, according to a tweet from her brother, Mahmoud Moradkani, Oh free people, be with us and tell your governments to stop supporting this murderous and child-killing regime. This regime is not loyal to any of its religious principles and does not know any laws or rules except force and maintaining its power in any possible way. Now, in this critical moment in history, all of humanity is observing that Iranian people with empty hands, with exemplary courage and bravery are fighting with the evil forces. At this point in time, the people of Iran are carrying the burden of this heavy responsibility alone by paying with their lives. What is urgently needed is not to support this regime that killed thousands of Iranians in four days in November of 2019 while the world was only watching. Faraday and Mahmoud Khani are the children of Ali Tehrani, a cleric and longtime opposition figure who was married to the Supreme Leader's sister, Badri Hosseini Khamenei. Tehrani da- died last month. Faraday Muradkani has been arrested by the m- regime before. She was arrested on January 13th while on her way home. Following her arrest, Iranian security reportedly searched Morad Khani's house and seized some of her belongings, according to human rights organizations. Iran's ongoing protest movement was initially sparked by the death of 22-year-old 20, Masa Amini in the custody of Iran's morality police in September. The unprecedented national uprising has taken hold of more than 150 cities, 140 universities, and all 31 provinces of Iran. More than 14,000 people, including children, have been arrested in connection with the protests. Um, This was uh, Chief Volker Turk, um, who works for the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. He said that at least 21 of them currently face the death penalty and six of them have already received death sentences. The violent response of Iran's security forces Towards protesters has shaken diplomatic ties with Tehran and Western leaders. On Saturday, Khamenei praised the country's besieged paramilitary force for its role in the deadly crackdown on anti regime protesters. Meeting with besieged personnel in Tehran on Saturday, Khamenei described the popular protest movement as quote, rioters and thugs, backed by foreign forces and praised innocent. Basij fighters for protecting the nation. The besiege is a wing. Iran's Revolutionary Garden has been deployed to the streets as protests have swelled. I am telling you all, there is something in the air. If we start to see mass revolts in North Korea, Russia, this could be a huge opportunity for people to take back their freedom. It's pretty cool to watch. I mean, not cool, but you know what I mean. Move over, Florida man. Florida woman has entered the chat. A Florida woman has filed suit against Velveeta, alleging that the statement on its microwavable shells and cheese meal is false and misleading because the product takes longer to cook than the advertised three and a half minutes. Amanda Ramirez of Hialeah, Hill, Florida. I don't even know how to say that name filed the class action lawsuit against the Pennsylvania company on November 18th, alleging that she wouldn't have purchased the shells and cheese product or paid as much if the preparation time was correct. Can we please just talk for a minute about how bored, soft, and weak we are as a society that a woman is getting litigious over how long her Easy Mac took to cook in the microwave? Like, do you not have anything better to do with your life? She said she bought the product at a Publix between October and November of 2022, and on other occasions at other stores. So not just you purchased it one time and came to this revelation, but you purchased it multiple times. Still knowing how long it took you to make it. (laughs) Y'all, oh man. According to the suit, consumers who see, quote, ready in three and a half minutes are led to believe it represents the total amount of time it takes to prepare the meal from start to finish. But the advertised time is the length of time it takes to complete one of several steps because cutting that pouch and squeezing that cheese into that bowl and stirring it up takes so much additional time. Y'all, I'm not even playing with you. This is a real article, a real lawsuit, a real human. Ramirez is asking Velveeta to cease its deceptive advertising and inform customers that it will take longer than three and a half minutes to prepare the meal. Ramirez is also seeking $5 million in damages. (laughs) Yeah, good fucking luck proving that amount in damages. I just want to include a little humor in your day because the clown show is 24-7 and we all have a front seat. Okay. One of the biggest sugar producers in the world will now be banned from importing sugar to the United... Well, exporting to the United States. We are not importing it anymore. After the Biden administration has said that that it has information that reasonably indicates the use of forced labor in its operations. The politically connected Fanjul family, a family of sugar barons raised based out of West Palm Beach, Florida, own a 35% stake in the company. As first reported by the New York Times, no sugar from the Dominican Republic-based Central Romana Corporation will now be allowed to be imported into the U.S. Customs and Border Protection said the company uses forced labor, largely of Haitians, to make money. In a statement on Twitter, the company denied the allegations, allegations, okay? This is not anything that has been prove, proven in a court of law. This, these are just allegations. The company is the biggest landowner and employer in the Dominican Republic, and sugar from the company is sold in the United States under the Domino brand. The import ban could cause a significant disruption to sugar imports and potentially prices at the grocery store. The Fongel family owns the company Florida Crystals and has a minority stake in the Central Romana Corporation, according to court records. The family fled communist Cuba in the early 1960s and has since built since built I cannot talk, I'm so sorry, you guys, a sugar empire in both Florida and in the Dominican Republic. The Fangioel brothers are known to be prolific political donors in the United States and Florida politics, giving both to Republican and Democratic candidates. In 2022, the Fangioel Corporation owned by the family made $985,189 in campaign contributions to candidates from both parties and spent 795,000 in lobbying the federal government, according to Open Secrets. Central Romana Corporation said in a statement posted on Twitter that the allegations of forced labor do not align with reality and that it has made significant investments to improve working conditions over the past decade. The news comes amid strains in U.S.-Dominican relations, particularly when it comes to alleged discrimination against Haitians. Just this week, the State Department issued a travel warning for black and dark-skinned Americans traveling to the country, saying it might they might be racially profiled or arbitrarily detained. Well, isn't there just a ton of pot calling the cattle black here? First of all, isn't it something that the United States is just so up in arms over the Dominican Republic, potentially uh, using forced labor? but can't seem to hold that energy for China, where damn near everything they make is with forced labor. How about those Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang province? You don't hear much about that anymore, do we? Damn near everything we touch when we pick it up in a store is made in China, probably by a 10-year-old in a sweatshop, but let us not speak of that, right? And then the U.S. jumping in with Dominican Republic discrimination against Haitians, why is that any of our business? Just because we don't have borders that we enforce doesn't mean that other countries don't have the right to protect their sovereignty. Top Biden administration officials pressed their Canadian counterparts to clear truckers blockading parts of the United States' northern border during protests in January. A public inquiry in the Canadian government's decision to use emergency powers to clear the Freedom Convoy. Protesters revealed on Thursday that frantic phone calls were placed by Washington to Ottawa in an effort to open up choked-off supply lines. They are very, very, very worried. Canadian Finance Minister Krista Freeland wrote in an email to her staff after a February 10th phone call from White House National Economic Council Director Brian Deese. If this is not sorted out in the next 12 hours... All of their northeastern car plants will shut down," Freeland continued in her email. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg phoned his Canadian counterpart, Transport Minister Omar Al-Gab- Algabra, the same day. Deese called Freeland, according to the report, and Buttigieg pressed Algabra about Canada's plan to resolve the protests. Algabra told the commission that Buttigieg initiated the call, and that the interaction was unusual. Brian Clow, Deputy Chief of Staff to Canada's Prime Minister, also heard from White House aides, including National Security Council Director Juan Gonzalez, who wanted to connect Canadian national security officials with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. A phone call between Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau took place the following day on February 11th, where Trudeau conveyed to the commander-in-chief that Ottawa had a plan to end the blockades. In his call with Trudeau, Biden reportedly alluded to trucker convoys rumored to be threatening to disrupt the Super Bowl in Los Angeles and streets in Washington. Freeland told staff in an email that Deese wanted daily updates on the protests, which never materialized because the Emergency Act was invoked, three days after Trudeau's call with Biden. The never before used Canadian law gave the government the power to freeze bank accounts of protesters, ban travel to protest sites, and force trucks to tow vehicles blocking streets. The commission is seeking to determine whether the government was justified in invoking the emergency powers. I have a hint for you. Hell to the no, it was not justified. No amount of freedom sacrificed to the government is justifiable. That is your Monday edition of Everything Yesterday this morning. I hope that you guys have an absolutely spectacular day. Just an FYI, these will be audio only from this point moving forward. I will not be going back to doing video um, everything yesterday this morning. So I hope you guys take care. Have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shoutsinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.